It was one of those nights. My wife and I were staying up too late, eating cookies in bed, and Googling questions like, where did all the water on Earth come from? You know, one of those nights. We don't really know where all the water came from. Comets, maybe, or Earth made it in its core. We really don't know. Anyway, that search led us down this weird path, this Google rabbit hole about rain, about floods. And we found ourselves staring at a page for something called Project Cumulus. One thing led to another, and we ended up somewhere I didn't expect. In a charming English seaside town called Lynmouth. I'm Dylan Thuris, and this is Atlas Obscura, a celebration of the world's strange, incredible, and wondrous places. Today, we'll explore Lynmouth, that seaside town in Devon, and learn about the disaster that got locals wondering about things like government conspiracies, weather control, and if human beings can actually, truly, for real, make it rain. After this. If you're looking for a place where the wide open skies and the towering mountains inspire you to find an untapped part of yourself, you might want to take a trip to Wyoming. It's a place where bold, curious spirits forge their own way on all types of adventures. There is no shortage of iconic, expansive landscapes out there. You can discover breathtaking hikes, stunning state parks, authentic Western culture, and other historic sites— along with the tales of famous outlaws like Butch Cassidy and pioneers like Buffalo Bill Cody. The truth lies west. Discover yours at TravelWyoming.com. This is Lynmouth on the ground floor, so to speak. It lies at the foot of the cliffs where the rivers join, a quaint tangle of little streets waiting to be explored. In the southwest of England, in the wild, hilly country of Devonshire, sits the small town of Lynmouth. If you walk the town main street, you'll find a stone building marked Lynmouth Memorial Hall. Inside, there's an even smaller town. Teeny tiny brick buildings with shingle roofs sit at the bottom of a forested valley. Quaint stone bridges arch over the meeting of two rivers that flow out into the ocean. These are the West and East Lynn Rivers. The banks of the rivers are edged with houses, cafes, and shops. There's even a tiny little double-decker bus and a mini red phone booth. It's a perfect miniature version of Lynn But it's not the town as it is now. It's the town as it once was, before the disaster. I am now standing on the front steps of my hotel. What you see in front of you, this raging torrent was originally the main road... It's 1952. A man stands holding a microphone talking to a film camera as a raging torrent of water rushes past beneath his feet. That quaint British town lies in ruins. The water suddenly rose at a tremendous speed and we had to evacuate... It was night on August 15, 1952, when the water started coursing into Lynmouth. According to survivors... The night smelled of sulfur, and the clouds were purple-black. Sometime after midnight, the river broke through its walls, and 114,000 tons of debris and 8,000 tons of boulders came tumbling into Lynmouth. 
28 of the 31 bridges that spanned Lindmiss Rivers were damaged or destroyed. Entire families were swept out to sea. Overnight, 34 people died, and another 400 were made homeless. In a town of less than 1,500 people, it was the kind of disaster that touched everyone. They called it the hand of God. But if you ask the people of Lynmouth today what caused the flood, some will tell you. At this point, I have abandoned my cookies, and I am just Googling furiously. Anyway, if you ask the people of this quaint English town what caused the flood, some will tell you that it wasn't an act of God at all. It was an act of government. It was Project Cumulus. Days earlier, 200 miles to the northeast, a Royal Air Force pilot named Alan Yates was at the Cranfield School of Aeronautics. He was preparing to fly a mission over nearby Bedfordshire as part of what he jokingly called Operation Witch Doctor, but whose official name was Project Cumulus. His job was simple, to spray salt into the clouds, which created a center for a raindrop to form, with the ultimate goal to produce rain. The mission was a resounding success. After completing his run, he was told by scientists that it worked wonderfully and caused a considerable deluge, and a celebration was held. But not long after, they found out what had happened to Lindman, and they were all stunned silent. It wasn't the first time a government had tried to make it rain. And man, my wife is asleep, and I should definitely be asleep. But instead, I'm 30 tabs deep, because this goes way back. New tab. In the 1890s, Edward Powers, a formal Civil War general, first convinced the U.S. government to try and produce rain by exploding a hydrogen balloon over El Paso. Light showers ensued. New tab. Over the years, the U.S. government and companies like General Electric seeded clouds over Massachusetts to create artificial snow. Projects like these led to grander ambitions, like Project Storm Fury. This involved flying into hurricanes to dump cloud seeding agents to slow them down, which didn't seem to work at all. New tab. Cloud seeding was even used as a weapon of war in Vietnam with Operation Popeye. They were trying to extend the monsoon season and bog down the Viet Cong. The mission's motto? Make mud, not war. Despite running for years, it was deemed a failure. New tab. Russia says it used cloud seeding to avoid radioactive clouds from Chernobyl reaching Moscow, but in the process may have poisoned half of Belarus. New tab. Lyndon B. Johnson himself said in 1962, he who controls the weather will control the world. New tab. New tab. Open. New. Tab. Okay. So at this point, I'm in the part of the internet where you get ads for tactical flashlights and survival kits. There's so much down this rabbit hole, and some of it's real, and some of it is wackadoo. After over a century of experimentation, scientists still can't agree on whether cloud seeding really works or how well it works. But much of the world continues to believe in the possibility that one day we will master the weather itself. Countries around the world are continuing to build new weather control systems. Thousands of rockets that shoot silver iodide into the air. Fleets of planes that drop it from above. 
The United Arab Emirates has built over 75 automatic weather stations across the country. It says they can enhance rainfall by as much as 35%. Bulgaria claims their crops wouldn't survive without their cloud seeding operation. And China claims to have used cloud seeding to guarantee clear skies for the 2008 Olympics and is currently building the largest cloud seeding project in the world, extending over 390,000 square miles. They call it the Sky River. New tab, new tab, new tab. And I still don't know the answer to my question. Was the government to blame for the destruction of this quaint British town that I'm Google stalking? Did Project Cumulus create the flood that destroyed Linmouth? No. Well, probably not. Well, we don't know. But one meteorologist called the idea preposterous, pointing out that Linmouth had major floods in the past, that the waters were high well before the rains, that Linmouth's name itself means town on the torrent in Anglo-Saxon. So, just bad luck then. Making it rain on the day of an epic flood. It took six years for Linmouth to be rebuilt, stone by stone. Today, Linmouth is an exceedingly charming English town. It boasts being the smallest British village with its own movie theater, and a vintage steam engine puffs through the nearby countryside. Its streets are filled with fishing cottages, and the boats bob gently in its harbor. As I go to sleep, I find that I'm desperate to visit Linmouth, to see its inclined railway, to visit the memorial that commemorates this terrible flood, and to walk the cobblestone streets, to cross the rebuilt bridges, to stand at the place where the two rivers meet and ask the question that every cloud-sitting experiment is forced to contend with. Was it the hand of God, or was it us? Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed that strange rabbit hole of an episode. In case you are listening to this way in the future, this was written and recorded during the pandemic of 2020. And I got to say, I might not be able to travel, uh, but that is not going to stop me from discovering new places many tabs deep on my computer. And one day, I will visit Linmith with my umbrella. Is there a place that you found going down your own pandemic rabbit holes? Tell me about it in an email to hello at atlasobscura.com. This podcast is a co-production of Atlas Obscura and Witness Docs. The production team includes Doug Baldinger, Chris Naka, Camille Stanley, Sarah Wyman, John Delore, and Peter Clowney. Our theme and end credit music is by Sam Tyndall. This episode was mixed by Luz Fleming and John Delore. I'm Dylan Thuris, wishing you all the wonder in the world. See you next time. disaster, the rebuilders of Linmouth have strengthened her defenses. Witness Docs from Stitcher. The world isn't wide enough for those with an insatiable desire for discovery. The all-new 2024 Lincoln Nautilus Hybrid SUV offers the power and freedom to explore further and deeper than ever before. 
Intuitive, smart features ensure they are always connected to the road ahead. Inside, a thoughtfully designed cabin immerses you in a universe that is all your own. The larger-than-life panoramic display spans the entire width of the cabin. It's customizable and interactive. Drivers can even personalize their backgrounds with a series of nature-inspired themes. This vehicle signals the arrival of an exciting new chapter for Lincoln. Discover more about the 2024 Lincoln Nautilus at Lincoln.com. Hi, I'm Lale Arakoglu, host of Women Who Travel. Women Who Travel is a transported podcast for anyone curious about the world. We talk to adventurers and athletes. I've raced the God's Own Adventure Race, which is on the South Island and goes through the mountains down in the Southern Alps on New Zealand. That was eight days spent out in the wilderness. And chefs. Iranian food is home, it's family, it's love. And we share dispatches from our listeners. Ireland is full of these, I will call them ghosts of the past. From stampeding elephants to training sled dogs. We hear it all. The dogs will curl right up with you. And it can be kind of cozy waiting things out. New episodes of Women Who Travel publish every Thursday. Join us wherever you listen. Listen.